Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Jesse. And, and we're, we're the, the DMs, DMs of Vancouver. Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing. So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. Hey folks, welcome to another episode. Uh, today we're talking about what to do when your plot goes wildly off course. <laughs> uh, today, yet again, we have our friend Craig, uh, Craig Chapman. How's it going, Craig? Fantastic. How about you guys? It's going good. Good. Tired, but good. I was up late <laughs> playing D&D on Roll20. Ooh. I mean, good reason to be tired, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you have to be tired going into a D&D podcast, having played D&D is perhaps the best excuse. Yeah. <laughs> So let's get into it. What can you do when the, the, the story, the plot that you've kind of figured out for your campaign goes just completely off the rails? Because wildly off course. They're meant to be in North America. They're off in Taiwan. Man, you know, I, I looked at the questions when you guys sent them to me. I sat down and thought about them. And this question gave me the most trouble. Not because I struggled to come up with an answer necessarily, but more because... It entirely varies. It's kind of situational. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a case not necessarily of the plot has gotten off course so much as, well, you might need to readjust the plot. and You might need to redirect it and make sure that your players are still enjoying the game and make sure that everybody's doing what they want to be doing. I mean, you can change the plot so that it shifts to be relevant to whatever situation you're in, you can, well, you can do all number of things. But if you want to really bring it back on course and, and back on track, then you've got a couple of options. You can deal with it in character or out of character. I vastly prefer dealing with it in character, but if it's more a case of your players are just really distracted, you've had a couple of bad sessions, and the problems are more out of character, sometimes it can be better to address it out of character. And communicate like adults rather yeah. than just, you know, trying to deal with it in character and then getting frustrated. Yeah, that's it's something that I've done. Like, I've run the beginner's box for 5th edition uh, twice. And both times I kind of, like, before the game even started, said, like, this is a module. There is only so much content here. There is a storyline. You guys have a ton of freedom within that story. You can do whatever you want within, like, these towns that have been set up for me. But you can't go off to Neverwinter. Like, it's it's just not in the module. So mm-hmm. try to keep your 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 character choices constrained within within those bounds. And that's something that, that's kind of the conversation that I feel you could have if things go off track. You just either tell them that or remind them. Like, hopefully you've told them kind of, yeah, I'm in your session zero, this is a module. There's only so much content here. I'm not going to just wildly come up with stuff on the fly if you guys go off the rails but just remind them like gentle reminder like hey guys like i'm running this because i'm busy with work or whatever like i've only got so much time to to come up with stuff so Mm. please come back to the module (laughs) (laughs) absolutely i've been really lucky because i'm I'm running a module too right now and uh yeah my players are just like i told them they're like okay we want to just interact with a plot anyway so it, it ended up working out for the best I'm going to sound like a broken record here because I said it in the third episode, which was the last time I was on, but communication is key. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, if your players know 
like Jesse was saying in advance, that you're working off of a module and you're working within the restrictions of those module, then they're more likely to be considerate about it. And if they're not considerate about it, that's when the conversation needs to happen out of character. Yeah. Because clearly then there's something else going on. And it's going back to like our first episode with the session zero, like hopefully it's something you talked about in your session zero that like, yeah, this is a module or, and if the players are really not okay with it and they're just railing against the bounds of the module the entire time, it's like maybe find a different group of players Mm -hmm. or, or throw the module out and do something else. Well, there are sandbox modules too, right? There's a lot of modules that are just kind of, you can play in this sandbox. Here's a bunch of encounters. Here's a bunch of random things. There's kind of a plot to tie it all together. But, you know, I ran the Kingmaker Adventure Path for Pathfinder once. And that's largely, go explore this area. Bad things will happen to you while you're doing it. But you've got this ridiculously large area to explore. And if you want to venture further... Then the bounds of the map, well, there's other parts of the adventure path. You might get killed, but you can go there. <laughs> yeah, my understanding for 5th edition is that the Princes of the Apocalypse and Storm King's Thunder are both fairly sandboxy, from my understanding. Yeah, uh, that's, that's what I've heard, too. It's actually something I usually hear people complain about. <laughs> yeah, well, sandbox games, <laughs> I have a huge gripe about them. They... Players will often say they want sandbox games without fully realizing what a sandbox game entails, because a lot of the time, sandbox games wind up with no plot, right? And if there's no plot, you can't really get off the rails, but also there's no convenient rails to follow. Even just, like, rusted out lost rails in the middle of the the woods that point you in the right direction would be nice to have, but you don't have them because it's a sandbox. Yeah air quotes for those that can't see me which is everybody <laughs> i think the, the interesting thing about the sandbox modules as well uh and the thing that could be frustrating to players who kind of think they want that is that like okay you go to this place well excuse me while i flip through the book mm-hmm. to page 80 i <laughs> guess to try and find the thing and i mean some dms are going to be more familiar with the book they're going to have read it back to backwards to front and like mm-hmm. know exactly where everything goes but not everybody can do that and that's yeah, or it's like, oh, you've come to the largest town in the sandbox. Cool. I have to be ready with my, like, tabs and everything that I've had to stick into this book so that I can flip from the, the blacksmith to the innkeeper to the this thing because everybody wants to go to a different place. Yeah, and, and even having generators, it makes it easier, but then you still need to write it all down. And a lot of good generators will have a history built into it so you can pull up your previous roles. But... Nevertheless, it's still a lot of extra work to come up with all of that on the fly and have to add it to the game and have to put it all in there. I mean, you can you can come up with a list in advance of character names and of probable descriptions of areas that they might visit, but really, you should be prepared to sometimes tell your players, yeah, okay, you can go there, but it'll take you some time, right? And then that gives you time to prepare the area. Yeah, yeah, we'll have a couple of random encounters as you travel yeah, there. And exactly. Then next session, <laughs> and maybe I one of those maybe be ready. <laughs> yeah, maybe one of those random encounters will be interesting enough that they decide, ah, screw the city, we'll go and deal with this orchard full of sturges instead. <laughs> okay, I, I feel like we started you off with probably the biggest, most complicated question. That's okay, but I, I feel like it it kind of categorized it. I, oh, I yeah. think that definitively it comes down to the answer of you can deal with it in character or you can deal with it out of character. And within those two categories, there's a lot of refinements. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get to a, a kind of smaller question. 
which is how do you handle smaller deviations from the plot as opposed to larger ones? Not them going off to Taiwan when they're supposed to be in North America, but then, you know. They're in Buffalo, getting, New York instead of New York, getting, New York. Getting <laughs> sidetracked with, like, a not important thing or something like that. That is a surprisingly bigger problem, I'd think, for most DMs than larger derivations. I think, personally, in my experience anyways, other people could have totally different experiences. But I think that a lot of the time, players will say that they want X, Y, and Z in their game. But in reality, they can only really experience one of those things, because there's only so much time for them, and for the DM, and for the game. So they wind up picking one of them, and then they go and explore it. It's cool to have that choice, right? But if you planned for X, Y, and Z, and then they pick A, then you're kind of hooped. Even if it's reasonably close to those things. So the best way, in my opinion, to deal with uh, smaller derivations is... Uh, there, there is a term for it, and I'm completely... I can't, can't remember what the term is. But the idea that basically, you know, you, you pick a path. It doesn't matter what path you actually picked. The illusion of choice. Yes. Yeah. I think there's like some specific D&D term for it as well, but it doesn't matter. It's the illusion of choice. So you, you pick a path, you go down that path, and it's gonna lead you in the right direction. And it could lead you in the right direction with some twists and bends that the other path doesn't have. It could give you access to some treasures or some dangers, all sorts of things. It is important for there to be consequences to choice, but especially if the plot is important if it is a later game thing, a lot of DMs will go, oh man, my players chose to go this way. Now I don't know what to do and the plot is completely off the rails and I just have no clue how to recover it. Well, the next corner they turn leads them into a portal that takes them back. Honestly, it's cheesy, but so long as you don't make a big deal out of it, your players will forget about it. It's, it's not going to be something they think about unless you do it every time. It's not going to be something they think about six sessions later. They'll be like, oh, that's weird. This portal took us back to New York, New York instead of Buffalo. That's strange. I wonder why there's a portal that leads there. And so long as every portal doesn't take you back to New York, you're probably okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's this is one of those things that is super contentious i've seen online where people are like if they don't have real choice then it's not a good game um but i feel like if you've prepped like say x say x y and z is you know them getting ready to go and fight a lich in a dungeon or just rushing to the lich to go and fight it or going to talk to a mage who used to know the lich whatever then path a could be like yeah they go and do something else but that like that dungeon like ends up with some like hey there's some weird weird back path in this dungeon that's been carved out by goblins mm -hmm. and hey weird it ends up in that dungeon <laughs> with the lich like they you know and maybe there's something that like had they gone straight for the lich then like he wouldn't have been waiting for them he wouldn't have been prepping some big spell to make himself more powerful absolutely like, like just because the players didn't go and do the thing that was next in the plot immediately doesn't mean that, like... It's one of those things that, like, you, I feel like you have to be really careful because, like, sometimes it can be good to have there be consequences for, like, if there is a plot, if there is some big bad who's getting ready to do a thing, then if the players decide not to deal with it, then the big bad gets stronger. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's... <sighs> Choice is important. Real choice is important. Impactful choice that has 
a tangible result on your game is important. And I'm definitely not saying to get rid of it. I just think that for smaller things, if they happen to go one way when they really should be going another way, and they know better and they just want to explore and screw with you because that is a type of player, and that's okay, then you can change it a little bit. You know, okay, maybe you've designed a dungeon that you want them to go to, and they decide to go to the elemental plane of fire instead. Well, now it's that dungeon, but it's on fire. Yeah. Right? Like, there, there are consequences to the decisions, but there's no reason for you to spend two hours prepping something and then have the players completely ignore it. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where, like, if you've got a player or players that are like, oh, I want complete choice, it's like, you chose not to deal with the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to get stronger. You've kind of screwed well, yourself. you just look at popular video games right now that are sandboxy. Why on God's green earth does the the order of Grey Wardens have to spend so much time collecting elf root? There's no reason for it. You should be able to send somebody to collect your elf root for you. But people like sandbox games and people like the ability to go collect random crap and do whatever they want. But at the end of the day, the fun parts of the game aren't the parts you spend collecting elf root. You might stumble upon something cool while you're collecting elf root, but really, that's just something to distract you and like let you have a brief mind cleanse before you focus back on the main plot. I think that's kind of the, the thing that's missing from a lot of sandbox games, is there should be a plot that ties everything together. I think it's the different like I haven't I I haven't played Dark Souls, but I've seen enough videos and read enough articles that, like, it's kind of the difference between, um, like, and I haven't played the latest Zelda game, so I, this mm-hmm. is also going off of videos and articles, <laughs> but the difference between the two is, like, in Zelda, like, yeah, you can go, like, take a picture of a mountain, put a pin down on your map, and just head towards it and explore it, and there might be a shrine there that gives you some small increment to your thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you have the, you can decide to be, like, yeah, fuck Ganon, I'm going to go do this thing over here. But in Dark Souls, you can be like, that castle over there looks good, and then start heading towards it. And, like, it's all part of the story. Like, the plot is that, like, you have to travel and... Or maybe not Dark Souls, but, like, Bloodborne. Like, that part of the city over there, and, like, you head over there, and, like, yeah, there's a boss here for you to yep. defeat. Dark Souls, having, having played all three of them and most of the DLC, that's a pretty apt analogy. You know, you can, you can go pretty much anywhere you can see... And anywhere you can see is part of the plot. And that's the big thing is, you know, you have choice. You have options as to where to go, but every option that you take is part of the plot. And eventually you're going to be left with a much smaller number of options as the plot winds down and you get closer to the, the final session. And that's another thing totally not related to recovering from plot. But I feel like a lot of the time people lose track of the plot, it's because they don't have a clear ending in mind for their campaign. There's no session Z. There's no final session. There's no way to get the players there. And if you don't know where you're going and you only have an idea of the journey that you're taking, it is really easy to get off course. I think that's probably something there's like a... A dichotomy like something like these two warring things inside of probably most dms is that they want to have a game that's you know got this amazing plot that like if you wrote it down it'd be this awesome story and everybody's having fun and it's high epic fan fantasy adventure or whatever 
specific genre of fantasy you want to have. Um, but they also want to have an awesome ending to the campaign. They want, or they want it to last for, like they want it to last forever, but they want it to have an awesome ending. And because I've, you know, I've read stories of DMs who've been running a campaign in the same, or campaigns in the same world for like 20 years. And they've got these giant binders full of stuff. And it's like, I want to have a world that detailed. But they got there by doing one campaign with a simple plot that ended. And then the next one just happened to be in the same world. Like they didn't have to come up with a bunch of stuff. So like there's people have, DMs have to realize that, that you can end up with these like these worlds that have been built and they're rich and amazing but you start by having just you do one plot and you get to the end of it and Mm. players being able to roam throughout this in this entire world you've created is kind of not exactly what you want to do it's counterintuitive i think Mm -hmm. um but when it comes to getting your players like back on track do you have any tips for hiding that from them making them feel that you're not <laughs> you have the, the illusion of choice yeah the portal might lead somewhere else <laughs> yeah, like, it, it doesn't feel like you're just picking up their characters with like yeah. the the master hand from uh smash <laughs> brothers yeah. and like picking them up and putting them back in the castle <laughs> well uh i feel like context is probably the most important thing to consider so if you're pushing or forcing or teleporting or whatever verb you're doing to your players to get them back on track for the plot, one of the the best things you can do is consider where they are when you're doing it. What got them off track in the first place, right? Can you use that to tie back to the plot? So if they decided, oh god, pulling from examples, if, if they decided to go to one town to deal with the character's backstory... Well, maybe the fact that they went to that town and resolved some familial animosity, maybe by the end of it, their parent or somebody that knows their parent has a problem, and that problem sends them scurrying back towards whatever the plot might be. Oh, maybe, you know, there's a a dragon burning down farms nearby, and oh god, okay... They've caught up with us, now we have to go deal with this, because now it's affecting our family. So context is is definitely essential there. Uh, More than that, you can give them different ways to get back to the plot, right? You can hide your illusion of... Well, you can hide the the illusion of choice um, by giving them actual choices. So they they have choices in how the plot recovers, but at the end of the day, the plot is recovering. When I take notes for my sessions, I have one, or prep for my sessions rather, I have one particular section that I call information, and that is information that the players will receive that session. Now, it could happen that they find a note on somebody's body. It could happen that something gets stuck to somebody's shoe. Maybe something falls out of the sky. Maybe an NPC talks to them. I don't care. I don't necessarily even know. I build that information into the session and then I let the players uncover it how they will. Most of the time, you know, one in ten, two in ten times, it'll be delayed until the next session by the choices they've made. But usually if it's on there, it's because it's important for them. They should know about it and they're going to receive it. 
however that happens. And the same holds true for recovering from plot. You know, they're going to recover. It's just a question of which way they choose to do it. And it also feels like, even in sandbox worlds, if there's a plot, like, you can offer choices to your players. But, like, you can offer five choices or ten choices or twenty. But all of them form this, like, you know... Instead of a web just going out, they all curve towards that mm. final end point. And some of them might feel like they go a long way and some of them are more direct, but all of them, all of these choices go back to that plot, get them back on track. Yeah. I don't know anybody that opens up a novel and really enjoys it knowing and expecting the novel's not going to have an ending. Right, I don't think a novel has been. I'm actually no, I shouldn't say that. I'm sure there's a novel out there that that has been written that doesn't have a, like a proper ending and just kind of fades halfway through the story as some sort of weird thought experiment. Te- technically, <laughs> the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's a yeah. That's a good point. But I think the majority of stories. A beginning and an end. Are not written by Stephen King specifically to fuck with you. Well, Stephen King writes a lot of stories, but yes, yeah, no, they're... um, The majority of stories have a beginning and an ending. And so long as you keep in mind where you started and where you're going, everything kind of curves towards it. And the path that you take to get there can make that ending look radically different. This isn't the first Walking Dead telltale game where you can make any choice you want and you still get the same ending. This is much more like the second or third, where you make choices that actually impact the end. And it doesn't have to be that there's like 50 or 100 different endings. There could only be four or five that you've sort of designed into the game. Then those four or five can have further granulation. There can be little differences. One of the things that older CRPGs used to do that I loved and miss in modern ones heck, I think even the first Dragon Age uh, did it, is you finish the story, you get your plot resolution, and then you have little scrolling pages of text that tell you about all your party members and all the people you've interacted with, the, the places you've been, and how the choices you make impacted those things. And there might not be like a massive amount of difference in how those different paragraphs play out, but really... That's not a whole lot of extra work, but it makes players feel like they had a real impact on the world. So they resolve their plot after getting back on course, but the fact that they went off course in the first place means that they encountered, I don't know, Thranduil the Elf, right? And Thranduil the Elf, uh, because of them, became a better person. And I think that's a character from Lord of the Rings, and he was the one that went to Helm's Deep. Uh, I could be wrong about that. I'm not positive. (laughs) But the point being that they encountered him because they went off course. And if they hadn't gotten off course, then the ending resolution would look a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So choice still matters, but you are still moving towards the same resolution. I think that works nicely kind of into our next question, which is when players get off track, when's a good time to kind of just let them do that and get them back to the plot? And I, I think your answer to the previous question kind of <laughs> sums up the answer to this one. Yeah, don't take too long. Um, don't give it more than, like, I would say two sessions. I would personally try and start pushing them back after one session. Yeah. Uh, you, you go any further than two, 
and kind of even any further than one, and it's venturing the realm of, like, side quest territory, like, really long side quest becoming part of the main quest, and your players can forget the plot. Unless they're far enough in that it's really ingrained in their consciousness anyways, and this is just a way for them to resolve part of the plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's... Don't want to end up with the... the have you heard of uh, Seamus Young, 20-sided? Yes. He wrote this amazing post on, on choice in video games, actually. He's talking <laughs> about Neverwinter Nights, where, ah. where like early in the game, you come to a city, and you're not allowed in the city because there's a plague going on. The city guard doesn't you, want to let you in. You start in the city, actually, and it's a gate that leads you. I have played yeah. so much Neverwinter Nights. The, the, <laughs> but yeah, it's the, it's the gate that you can't get yeah, through. the docks district. That you have to, like leave the city and do like like the first quarter of the game Mm -hmm. is spent doing like quest after quest after quest after quest after quest to like i need to get something for this person okay to get this thing for this person i need to go here to go here i need to do this to do this i need to do that and it turns into this like long thing of like this long series of side quests so you could open the door (laughs) so you could open a door whereas in D &D, be like I'm going to bribe a guard. I'm going to, like, throw a rope over. I'm going to climb it. I'm going to just bust my way through. Like, all these other choices that you could have if it wasn't a constrained computer game. But absolutely, the thing, like, with D&D is, like, instead of doing side quests, like, a crazy chain of side quests to resolve something for the plot, just have a short one and then come back to the plot. Mm -hmm. You don't want to venture too far off course. You want to make sure that you're still trailing that plot around as much as possible. Good opportunities to to break that mold include dealing with characters' motivations. That's one thing I feel like never gets quite enough time spent on it is, you know, why did you start adventuring? If that is resolved, are you going to stop adventuring? Or are you going to stay with your party out of a feeling of obligation, love, whatever, right? Those are good opportunities to, to break the mold and venture off course. I kind of have this coming up in my game in that uh, at least one of the characters' goal was to get enough money to open an apothecary. And I looked into it, and there's not like really hard and fast rules in the DMV about how much no. it costs, but it's like not really that expensive for an adventurer to open a shop. No. <laughs> so I'm, I, th- I think the solution is end up going to be like, this is going to be like their home base that they're going to kind of work out of. And, mm-hmm. you know, they'll go on adventures for better things and then the plot will kind of pull them back in (laughs) absolutely but like yeah it's it's one of those things that like especially i think with inexperienced players who haven't like done that kind of thing before where they're like i want to do the thing i want to do this thing that like realistically yeah you can do that with 100 gold because 100 gold is a lot of money yeah (laughs) it's one of the things that i I see when people are like jokingly nitpicking D is like the D and D economy is just broken. Like, yeah. Oh, it's horribly broken. <laughs> like, it's why I run a silver economy in pretty much every game. Well, it's like even like it, it kind of doesn't matter what it's based on because like if you can go and fight a bunch of goblins and get like money or or like well if if you follow the silver economy and you you don't follow the loot tables necessarily because what you do and it's not like a hundred percent accurate but a lot of the time what you do is you give a tenth of the rewards so you wind up getting silver, which means you actually need to consider the value of your gold. And gold is valuable. For, for one game that I ran, I think by like 11th level, they might have had 200 gold, right? And it, it meant that, oh my god, 200 gold, I can go buy a magic item, or I can go do this. And then you, you're able to talk about nobles in the city, 
rolling 50 gold out like it's no big deal. And it's impressive, right? But if you don't run the silver economy and you run the the adventurers can go beat up a bunch of goblins and make, like, more gold than this town has ever seen, then it can be a little bit, well, no, not a little bit, quite a lot screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of going off on tangents, when do you decide what your players are doing is the new plot? Like, either because they just don't care or because they've they've ended up in you know on a different continent and they they prefer it here they don't want to deal with the dragon they want to deal with this continent's problems when do you decide that that binder of stuff you've come up with just goes on the shelf and you start a new one i think that's almost an entirely out of character decision i think that's something you have to sit down with the players to talk about because especially if you've done your homework and you've done your session zero, you've talked with everybody, if they decide that all of that is null and void, that means looking back and, and maybe doing like a session 0.5, right? Doing a, an interlude in the middle of the campaign and going, do you want the campaign to change direction? Or do you want to treat this more like a side quest, like the, the third season of most TV shows that seems to be where a lot of TV shows decide, oh no, we're going in the wrong direction, and veer back. Not always, but a lot of the time I find that, like, second, third season, it's it's a little bit of a toss-up. So, you have to talk to your players, your players, not the characters, and figure out, hey, do you want to keep exploring this strange new continent, and dealing with whatever problems that entails, or would you rather we work our way back to the main continent? If... For whatever reason, that's not an option, and I don't know why it would be, but if for whatever reason that's not an option, if, for example, you're running way more of an in-character game, it's super invested, players don't necessarily enjoy talking about things out of character, then you kind of just have to listen to your players. If you spend time listening to what they're talking about and hearing what they're interested in and following their decisions and their decisions keep leading them away from the plot, well, maybe the plot isn't interesting to them. And either that means retooling the plot so it is interesting to them, or letting them pick the direction. Now, there is a difference between letting them pick the direction and letting that direction be whatever they decided is that week. Mm -hmm. If they pick something new, that means they're probably interested in it. Most people don't stay focused on things forever, and they'll take little breaks here and there. That doesn't mean you need to follow those tangents wherever they might lead. But if they pick a new direction, and they seem to, to stick with it for a little while, follow that and see where it goes, mm -hmm. right? If they're much more interested in that, then you can follow that plot line and alter your main plot. And maybe you can tie them together. You know, it depends on what the plot is. Yeah, the, the kind of the best example I can think of is a party that starts off as like a standard party of, you know, pal or fighter, mage, rogue, some kind of thief type and like a ranger or something, you know, the, the standard ar archetypes. And maybe over the course of the game, the player playing the rogue is really charismatic and they all start being like, yeah, let's do some heists. And then, like, if that starts to be the direction, like, you started out session zero, like, this is high fantasy, you're all adventurers. And over the course of, like, ten sessions, they're all like, we're now Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> like, your plot doesn't have to change a ton. Like, you could just be like, let them, let there be tips that, like, 
hey, there's a really big score. And it turns out that really big score is stealing the Lich's phylactery instead of killing him. Absolutely. If you look at, um, oh, I think it's called the Gentleman Bastard series by Scott Lynch. Oh, the yeah, Lies yeah. of Locke Lamora yeah, and, the, and all those. The Gentleman Bastard sequence or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, it kind of follows that idea. Like, it, it starts off a bit more high fantasy. It is decidedly in all three books. A book about thievery, a book about stealing, and what have you. But it changes its focus from book to book, right? One of the ways that you can make sure that your players follow a plot through to its resolution is, you know, A, making sure you have that resolution. Like I said, I think too many people don't build that into their games. And B, running shorter campaigns. I was just about to say, actually, yeah. <laughs> that like it feels like sometimes if your players keep wanting to go and do other things, maybe it's because you've planned out this two-year-long campaign and they really just want to like they want something that's going to resolve in the next mm -hmm. two months well and then what you can do is the side quests can be little mini campaigns right a lot of the time dms get so obsessed over these ideas of side quests and of there being an adventure wherever you go and that's a good thing to do don't get me wrong but they're side quests they're not the main quest yeah. and if you do too many of them the main quest is gone it is almost irrecoverable at that point, and it is better to start new ones. So many new DMs that I talk to say, oh my god, I didn't know what I was getting into, we've completely changed direction, I don't know how to recover this or fix this, I think it's better just to start a new campaign. But then they don't learn from those lessons. It's really important to not have too many side quests, right? To not have too many distractions. Because if you're doing that, then you don't really have a main plot anymore. Follow the main plot, resolve that, and then go do some side quests. Do your beach episode. Do your yeah. player's backstory episode. And they can be three or four sessions each, but you know, just resolve your story arc before moving on to the second and third one so you don't wind up running this tangled mess of, oh my god, are we still resolving the first story arc while we've started the second? Oh, and is that the third I see on the horizon? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is almost something that's... It's part of the of D&D's level 1 to level 20 problem, where, mm -hmm. like, DMs want to run campaigns that, like, span all of the levels, so they get in, you know, everything from the starting off on the scrappy streets of wherever, all the way up to, we just defeated a god. And it's something that feels like... Other systems where, like, there really isn't leveling, like, it's kind of designed for short campaigns that it they those systems handle it better. Whereas D&D, there's just, there is so much that you can yeah. do that DMs want to do all of it. I think it was Harry that you guys had on talking about other systems, if I recall correctly. Yeah. And I think that DMs really should, in the session zero, look at the possibility of running other systems. If you want to run a post-apocalypse game... D&D is not your system. I'm sorry, it's not. Like yeah. there are there are things that are better for that purpose. Can it be adapted to be a post-apocalypse game? Sure. But if it's not really designed for that intent, why would you want to? Right? Why not learn, take the take the week, even if it's got some growing pains, take the week to learn a system that is designed for the type of game you want to run. Yeah. If you don't want to run a heroic fantasy game, maybe go look at Iron Kingdoms, or at Torchbearer, or, or I think it's Iron Heroes, rather. But look at something that, that fits your purpose. Yeah, and, and it's something I've noticed is that there, there are other medieval-ish, fantasy-ish games that 
do things that D and D does, but does them better. Like there's systems like Numenera, uh, Burning Wheel, which I've heard a lot about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of systems that do the like, you know. Sometimes D and D isn't great at doing a story about, you know, a group of people or their family over the ages or all sorts of different things that like, yeah, maybe take a look at yeah, just take a look at other systems because if your players want a story and you know that D&D can do it, fine. That's great. If you know that another system or think that... Even if you think another system, like, try another system. It could be fun. Absolutely. Yeah. But we are getting off plot. Yeah. So, <laughs> we are, um, just a little bit. How do you Let's handle... take that portal back to New York. <laughs> uh, how do you handle stuff <laughs> continuing in the, in the background, like rampaging monsters or wars or the big bad uh, and okay. evil stuff, while players so, are I have, distracted? I have been uh, all over the... <laughs> All over the track with this one. The first really long-term game that I plotted out, the Kingmaker Adventure Path for Pathfinder, uh, it has a bunch of stuff going on in the background. Now, it's not the best designed, and you do kind of need to look at things in advance and make sure they show up earlier, I think, than the book wants you to make them show up. Otherwise, the players are like, oh, what? There was actually a villain behind all of this? Why did we only find out about it 80% of the way through the campaign? Uh, But either way... I put way too much effort in on this and realized that most of my players didn't care, right? Or that they cared, but not enough to actually do anything about it. Or that they cared, but they cared more about other things. It is important to make your world feel alive, right? But at the same time, there's only so much you can put in a session. So only do one or two things, right? You can have the the town crier announcing the fact that, oh no, the roads have gotten really bad because the orcs came down from the hills because the players decided to go do something different instead and not deal with the orcs. So now the prices of everything in town have gone up because the roads are all screwed up, right? But then don't talk about other things. Make that the talk of the town, right? Just like with the modern 24-hour news cycle, with politics, with all these things, You focus on specific things for a short amount of time, you make them impactful, and then you move on to the next one. Because if you don't, you get back into what we were just discussing. Too many side quests, too many things going on. The players will not be able to choose, right? They'll they'll have too many options, and they'll go, oh my god, and they'll sit there, frozen by analysis paralysis, or they'll just screw off and leave the plot. I like that that example of like the orcs are harassing every merchant caravan, so everything's more expensive because you can use that to really needle the players. Yeah, like, absolutely, they go to buy potions. Oh, are you buying these so you can go and deal with the orcs? Uh, and then they go to buy some some weapons or armor. You were supposed to take care of them already, weren't you? Now I've got like I don't have any metal to make new stuff. You got to. You want that it. magic sword? Well, you got to go take care of the orcs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the point about like not giving them too many choices too because I feel like on the other end as a DM you then have to prepare for them choosing one of them and oh, yeah. almost without fail they choose the one that you're the least prepared for oh yeah without <laughs> exception right no it's it's much better to, to well you know to be realistic like even in the real world sure you've got a lot of choices but your path is kind of leading you towards one of them right you can kind of look at the players and go ah you know, maybe it's not just the orcs that have come down from the hills. Maybe something pushed the orcs down from the hills. Mm-hmm. But is that what you're interested in? Probably not, right? With some parties. With other parties, it might be, ah, they're much more interested in the grand, overarching mysteries and intrigue. So 
Maybe they don't want to go hack and slash the orcs. Maybe they want to go find whatever weird thing pushed the orcs out of the hills in the first place and deal with that. And you can sneak in little clues here and there to make them deal with that. Yeah, like I think for for that kind of stuff, like yeah, if you've got a party that wants to know the mystery behind the mystery, or you want to like prime your party, like you have to prime the party for that stuff. Like, oh, the orcs have have never been this bad before, Mm -hmm. or 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 while they're fighting, like you describe them as like unwilling to retreat because whenever they look back their their eyes are afraid or whatever but yeah i think that's i feel like that's one of those things you have to be careful with because if like like whipping away the curtain mean like aha there was this <laughs> behind there all along and the person be like wait what yeah so, but sometimes the orcs just come down from the hills because it's nicer there and the hills are frozen and awful and the orcs don't want to live there yeah the orcs are tired of this class warfare. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so if if the players have asked for a, a plot, they want a, a plot that steers them or they've asked for like a game with consequences um, in that session zero. And then they went off and, you know, played at the fair for four sessions. Um, a, how do you? And B, do you drop those consequences of like they've... They've been ignoring the the rampaging army of orcs that want this town. And they went off and dealt with a farmer who lost some sheep for three sessions. That's when the campaign ends. Honestly, like, drop the consequences on them and drop them hard. And I'm not saying stop playing with the group. I'm saying end the story arc, right? If they decided that playing at the fair and winning a stuffed toy was more important than dealing with the marauding orc army... Cool, they have a stuffed toy, but the kingdom is gone. Right? Start a new campaign. They can play plucky insurgents trying to deal with the, the this threat of occupation and overthrowing this awful king, and maybe that'll be way more interesting to them. Or maybe, you know, they start the new campaign 50 to 100 years later, where this new awful tyrant king turned out to have not been that bad. And he modernized the infrastructure, He he made the... <laughs> The, I don't know, the horse carts run on time and nobody's starving. He, pu- he pulled the yokels into the future mm. by their goddamn ears. Yeah, absolutely. But there's some weird unexpected costs to that. Yeah. Right? So you can, you can drop these consequences on them. And if it's not earth-shattering consequences, that's okay too. Right? You can simply redirect the campaign. So, you know, maybe the, this awful tyrant king managed to invade the kingdom. And take quite a bit of land. But your king, the man that you trust and love, has fled. And while fleeing, has passed through the fair. And he drags all of you along with him, along with his court, and along with his army. And you're forced to relocate into the hills. And you have a a different quest now. You know, maybe you're searching for a home. Or maybe you're looking for allies or building a new home. I don't know. All I know is that it matters that you ignored those consequences. Yeah. But you, you said something... Really important, Sean. Uh, you said that the players decided they wanted a campaign with consequences. And I think that's something that in Session Zero you have to talk about your players with. Because you could be on a railroad, you can you know, recover the plot, you can do whatever you want. But if your players don't really care about dealing with the consequences of their decisions, that's their choice, Right. And they're not going to have a good time when you drop no, them on them. Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 definitely like a dial that goes from like one to eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, I feel like, it's a question that's going to be hard for the players to answer, especially if they never heard it before. But it's, I think, it's one of those questions that like you ask 
towards the end of your session zero and say, like, you don't have to answer right now, but I do need an answer before the first session, mm-hmm. is what level of consequence do you guys want for your actions? If you kill some, you know, orc bandits, uh, do you care if there is, you know, you killed an orc son and he's going to come down with his war band or no that was just a band you know a bunch of banded orcs yeah, like just, just a random encounter yeah like does it does it do you want your just like it's kind of asking the players do you want their decisions their choices to ripple out and come back to them or is it just yeah it's just random encounters absolutely well i think this comes down to uh like kind of pitching your campaign when you do the session zero two right you can be very clear like you know, I can write, uh, I can do a light and fun game where it's kind of just session to session and we're just having a good time and maybe it's not that, you know, there aren't big consequences or something. But, you know, at any point, that game can turn into a game with consequences if you want it. Or, alternatively, yeah. we can do a game where this is this is going to be how it's be. Your choices will matter, but that, you know, you might not be having, your characters, sorry, might not be having as much fun because, yeah, they, they might choose to ignore the threat doing something else and then all of a sudden... They're helping this farmer find his sheep when they get overrun by a crowd of orcs who are using that farmer's land as a backdoor into the capital. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just reminded me of that um, silly uh, Gary's Mod video. Full life consequences! <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. Um, but yeah, like you have to decide, let your players decide in that session zero, like... Do they want to play Majora's Mask where the moon is hanging over them? Or do they want to play something else? I don't know if I Do they want to play Breath of the Wild where Ganon is just going to hang out there patiently until you decide to go deal with him? Yeah. Right? How different would Breath of the Wild have been if in four days Ganon devours the, you know, the kingdom? Yeah. It's, instead, he's just going to sit there doing figure eights and twirling yeah. around in the air. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely something I feel like you have to ask your players in the session zero. Yeah. And if they change their mind partway through, take that into account. Do a session 0.5, right? It doesn't have to be like an, a proper full session, but make sure you keep up with what they're actually interested in, not just what they said they were interested in. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's something like a something you have to keep asking your players, even if it feels weird sometimes it's like every few sessions just like hey guys give me some feedback like how are you guys feeling how are you feeling about the campaign how do you like the direction just to like so you can get the, that feedback so you can make those tweaks where like if you introduced a minor consequence then they're like oh more of that like okay you said you didn't want any but okay i'll give you more of that yeah and i feel like if your players come to you in the middle of a campaign and they're telling you that they're not having fun with all the consequences when they that's what they asked you for originally. I feel like that's also a thing where, you know, maybe don't be a dick about that. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. If they're like, you know, we want the game, we want to continue playing our characters, but we want it to be a bit lighter. That's that's not that hard. No. In fact, that might be less work. It would <laughs> yeah. almost certainly be less work. Yeah. Or just you, work of a different kind. You, you don't know? have to come up with the the family member that wants to avenge their, their brother or sister's death. My for, name is Orknigo Montoya. For every single character they kill. Like, yes. Instead of having to come up with, like, okay, you killed you killed Johnny. His brother Billy is here. You killed Sally. Her sister Mary is here. Like, you can just be like... Yeah, you killed a bunch of bandits, and the, the bandit guild, whatever, is going to deal with you at some point. Like, yeah, though, though that honestly does sound like a really fun kind of madcap campaign, <laughs> <laughs> where you just keep on every to make single it more person ridiculous. you kill comes back 
bigger and stronger or sends their sibling or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, that's one of those things that it, it kind of ties all of these questions together and it, it does help a lot with private resolution and with bringing your players back on track is at the end, not necessarily of every single session, but of at least every other session or every third session, talk to your players and ask them hard questions. You know, ask them, hey, what can I do better? Do you like consequences? Do you want more magic items? Do you want to travel through more dungeons? What do you want? Right? Try, try to avoid leading questions because then you'll get answers that relate to those questions. Ask more open-ended ones. But you can gently nudge them to make sure that they're still interested in what you're doing. And if they're not, well then... It'll, it'll be a lot easier for you because you can head most of these problems off at the pass. You can change the plot. You can stop them from going off the rails because you know that they don't want to follow those rails anymore. Oh, all of a sudden there's a switch in the track. You're going left instead of straight, yeah. right? But that requires you to communicate with them, right? You need to talk to them and you need to make sure they don't just run away after the session and, you know, fill you with compliments because that's what players love to do, right? You have to talk to them and go, hey... I know you like me. I know you like my games. Hopefully. <laughs> but if you're playing with people that at the end of every session, they're like, you're, you suck. I'm out of here. There's something wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I know you like my games, but what else? Right? What, what about this? What about that? Yeah. And I, you're totally right about the leading questions thing because I feel like Asking leading questions can lead to the thing that Jesse said of like, well, you said you wanted this. Like, <laughs> like no, you have to ask the right questions, yeah. which admittedly is really hard. Yeah. But it, it unfortunately means that you have to be a bit more flexible as a DM and, and a bit more willing to give up on what you might be interested in to make sure that everybody is having a good time. It takes a lot more compromise. Yeah. Um, I feel like we probably already kind of answered this question somewhere in all of this. But uh, Craig, what do you wish... Uh, what do you wish you could tell yourself back when you started doing this about getting plots back on track that, you know, based on your experience now? I think we might have. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, it can be short answer. That's a-okay. Uh, I feel like what I would tell myself 10 years ago is don't sweat the small things. If there's a minor change, just kind of shove a little bit and uh, tidy up push a little bit, pull a little bit, whatever you have to do to get the players back on track. Because, like I said earlier, as long as you don't do it every other session, as long as not every portal leads to New York, New York, and occasionally they lead to Greyhawk, or to Taiwan, or to Antarctica, or some other fantastical realm, it's not going to matter. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to be a little bit pushy because at the end of the day, your players most likely want to plot. Even if they're going to go off the rails and explore new things every now and again, they still want a story that connects everything together. Yeah, and stories have resolutions. Yes. Even if they might not like the resolution, they might think it was weak or whatever, but a story with a resolution is better than a shaggy dog story. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of curious to know how many... Of, of your listeners have left a D&D &D plot halfway through, unresolved. 
Yeah, I see. Yeah, definitely me. <laughs> I know I'm guilty of that as well. And that's one thing that I've learned more recently. Like, I'm, I just started a game on Thursday, and I explicitly told my players, look, this is going to be six months long, and we are going to get to the end. If that end looks a little bit different than what I envisioned at the beginning of those six months, that's fine. But I know that by six months, we will have an ending. And if we decide to play in this world again, cool. But the story will have been resolved. That's something that I'm working on. Is I've got a campaign that I've been running for a year and a half, two years. I don't know. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. But there, it's getting to a point where it's like, okay, I need to start shortening some of these plot threads. Because um, like the, the players are having fun for the most part, I think. I need to sit down and have a like hard talk <laughs> session. Session 0.5. Um, and I, I know the like plot beats. I just got to shorten it up and get it done. And not because two of my players are moving. Like, I want to keep playing D&D, but, like, I'm starting to feel, like, that itch to be like, I want to do, I want to do something else. So I need to just, like... Switch I, in the track, port from New York, whatever, yeah, right? I, I don't want to, like, you know, put the throttle to max and just, like, speed them through five plot points in a single session. Mm-hmm. But I do want to start moving things along, and I've been thinking about how to do that. And, yeah, yeah it's I think it's worth doing because I think having a story that just meanders on versus something that just it has a nice resolution even if that resolution sucks yeah it's better than just meandering around the continent for years yeah and, and one thing that i i didn't mention that just occurred to me uh with what you were saying is you can snip off plot points too yeah. if it's not important if the players don't care if the last time they asked about it was eight sessions ago even though it's been in 20 point font at the top of your prep notes for you know four weeks get rid of it right? As long as it's not something that the whole campaign was predicated upon, you can drop it. It's it's not going to kill you. It's not going to kill your players. It might be uncomfortable, but yeah. Yeah, I've actually got a plot point that I'm thinking of snipping out and trying to figure out some other way to achieve what that plot point... It was basically a plot point that would get them a thing, that would let them do something. Trying to figure out some other way to let them do the thing. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks so much for coming on, Craig. Oh, it's a pleasure as always. Uh, people can find you online at Dun- or, uh, Dungeons, Dungeons, Dragons, and Do Gooders. Did you uh, take out the extra ant? Oh, I think it. Yeah, D and D and D G. Yes, yeah. yeah. Dungeons and Dragons and Do Gooders, which is uh, a West Marches <laughs> campaign that ties into your yes. regular Armband campaign. Yes, absolutely. Excellent. More and more players, pretty much every week. I think I'm almost at a hundred now. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Yeah, it's staggering. Or I still haven't managed <laughs> to get them. <laughs> oh, it's it's totally fine. I have a lot of people who have only made it to one session. But yeah, you can find me at uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Do Gooders. Um, Is that a, it's you, on Facebook? It's on Facebook. It's an open group. Uh, if you have any particular questions that relate to West Marches or D and D in general or whatever, I'm happy to shoot the shit. You can find me at C Chaps at gmail.com that's two c's uh i have a twitter email yeah i know it's okay there's a spam folder for a reason uh i have a twitter as well but i'm on there maybe once a year so i'm yeah email me if you need to get in touch or message me through facebook thanks so much of course thank you for having me uh our music is overworld by kevin mcclaude uh 
McLeod, Jesus, I always do that. Uh, uh, Competech, you can find his stuff there. He's got lots of great Creative Commons music for use in wherever. Um, our art is done by Haley Boros. You can find her at, at ThatRadHaley on Twitter. I think HaleyBoros.ca is her website. should double-check that. She is my wife. I should probably know. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, she does all our art. Thanks so much, Haley. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook, DMs of Vancouver. Yeah, you can find me at, at Jesse the Red. I recently changed my Twitter handle. I don't remember what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's what show notes are for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you like our show, you can find us at iTunes and Google Play. Uh, please give us a, a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. And we've got a Patreon. I'm trying to be better about updating that with all sorts of stuff. But you can get uh, early access to episodes, get raw audio. We might start doing a live stream if we actually get any Patreons. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of other tiers that I don't quite remember what they are. But basically all the money goes to making this podcast awesomer. So, Do you want to mention your new show? Oh, sure. Um, I'm in the works of the setup of a new show, a Let's Play uh tales to amaze basically running through a whole bunch of different short campaigns and mini campaigns of one or two sessions each session should hopefully come out to four to six episodes uh and each campaign is a different system we're starting off with atomic robo action science that should be fun we need to find you some good music for that oh i have <laughs> plans i'm actually gonna try and like properly produce this one Ooh. All because right. that's my biggest beef with actual plays is that it's just just literally a recording of people playing a game. Yeah. And Sorry, I, I don't want to listen to you shop for four hours. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the reason why I, like it, my biggest thing is like I can't watch Critical Role because it is four hours of content mm-hmm. and I just can't. I've got a job. I've got a life. <laughs> like I can listen to like a half hour to an hour of something on the bus. That's mm-hmm. great. Like most podcasts are half hour to an hour. I I can't do four hours <laughs> of content. But that's my plan is to do like a four hour session or three to four to five hour session and edit that with sound effects and stuff like that and hopefully get a shit ton better at audacity in the process <laughs> i'm really looking forward to listening to it batman scene transition music <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh, man. except i do all of the sound effects myself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be ridiculous i'm not doing that <laughs> the fighter swings his sword <laughs> oh i actually oh my god we were playing on roll 20 last night and they've got they've got a bunch of different music libraries linked in so they've got in Competech, they've got tabletop audio so that you can like play audio like mm-hmm. have battle music or yeah. you're in the battles or in the battlesmith in the blacksmiths uh hey battlesmith shop. sounds pretty cool yeah yeah um so you can have just like you're in a tavern music but they, there's this one thing it's like battle bards and they've got a bunch of some music, some monster stuff. So, like, you're fighting goblins, so here's goblin noises. But they've got NPC scripts. Oh. So, like, there's one that it's just like, oh, welcome to my tavern. I'm sorry. Like, I guess I'm the only person in town with extra beds. And it's so <laughs> weird. <laughs> and there's also, you can just have sound effects. Just be like. Just put oh. a soundboard in front of you. And, you know, whenever the fighter swings a sword or whenever the wizard casts a spell. <laughs> um Anyways, are we, we, should, still yeah, we're still recording. We're still recording. We should get the hell out of here. Thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll see you next time. Bye. Patreon content. <laughs>